Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. So I'm going to preach a message tonight on how to cast out calories. No. I want to share something with you tonight to help you tomorrow. Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4.13. Yeah, get your Bibles out. Mark 4.13. It's the story of the parable of the sower. You know it, but I just want to read it here. It says, and he said to them, do, not do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Everybody say the sower sows the word. we always got to be sowing the word. Amen. Listen, your opinion doesn't really count. You may have a good opinion, but that's not what you need to sow. Okay? You need to sow the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Now, when they hear Satan comes immediately, take away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the one on the stony, the stony ground, who when they hear the word of God, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones who sown on the thorns. <clears throat> They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word of God, accept it, bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Now, tomorrow... Thanksgiving, there's going to be a lot of people going and being with family and going, you know, and, and you're going to have all the, the, the crazy uncles and the, you know, whatever else that, that you may have in your family. You know, everybody's going to be gathered together, you know, and, and uh, it's a glorious time. So the word. All right. And what I want to share with you tonight is you got to understand something. Our job in life as Christians is to sow the word. All right. Not preach the word necessarily, but sow the word. Could be sown on the napkin that everybody wiped their face with that had a scripture on it, right? I mean, the word could be sown in multiple ways. It doesn't have to be sown strictly by preaching. Could be the plaque you have up in your house, the, 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 the whatever. But the word is what's got to be sown, all right? And the reason why is, is Jesus's word is the only word that can stand, and it's the only word that can really produce fruit. Now, you think about this. It's so, the word is so powerful that the devil comes immediately to try to steal it and stop it from growing. And if he can't immediately stop it from growing, then he waits a little bit longer, and then he tries to get it get in there a little bit in, in a different way. And then if he didn't get it then, then he tries and works a little bit. He's just determined not to have the word work. But the person that gets the word working in their life, then all of a sudden, man, it starts producing 30, 60, 100 fold fruit, right? It's amazing how powerful the word of God is. Why do you think they don't want prayer in school? Why do you think they want to take down just even the Ten Commandments? Why do you think that they don't want people to preach and, and do anything? Because the devil knows that if the person hears the word of God, that literally it'll change their life if it gets sown in their heart, right? Okay, so... But you also have to notice in this parable that only one quarter of them made it. That's sad. All right? That's sad. Because you want to see everybody receive. Like, that's always been my downfall as a preacher. I want 
I, I just expect everybody to get saved, everybody to hear the word, everybody to receive it, everybody to be happy. And I realize that really the truth of the matter is that I can look over the whole congregation and realize that when I preach a message, only one quarter of them are going to get it. That's terrible odds. That's discouraging. I personally likes to get production going, you know. I don't want to just know that a quarter of the people, you know, are even going to remember or the word's going to get so in their heart. I know, to, th to think as a pastor that on Sunday morning, immediately when they walk outside the door, somebody's going to get the word stolen from them. It's discouraging, you know. So I want to believe we have a better percentage than that, but I just know what the scripture's saying here, that only a quarter are going to receive. So you've got to be understanding about something. When you're sowing the word, not everybody's going to receive it, and that's just the way it is, and that's okay. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to jump up and say, you hard-hearted old sinner, you know, going to burn in hell for that. No. Just realize a quarter of them are going to get it, all right? Now go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He says, And then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors unto the harvest. Now you got to understand something. The Lord of the harvest is who's in charge. Right? The Lord of the harvest is in charge. God wants to have a harvest. He is the God of the harvest. He's a God who wants to reap fruit. Okay? And it said, but there's... Jesus' own words here says it's not a lot of people doing it. Not a lot of people sowing word. Not a lot of people spreading the gospel. Not a lot of people telling people what Jesus said. He said, so pray the Father of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest, that he'll find more labors, find more people to get interested, find more people to sow the word, find more people to go out, because he's, he's, he knows it's only his word that's going to work. Right? Okay, now I'm going through this quick. Go down to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. So you've got the, Corinthian, the, the church at Corinth, and they're, they're arguing because what had happened was is <clears throat> Apollos had been in there, and Paul had been in there, others had been in there ministering, and so they, whoever they got baptized, they're saying, oh, well, I'm a convert of Paul, or I'm a convert of Apollos, or I'm a convert of so-and-so, or I'm a convert of him. And so Paul's like, what are y'all doing? What are you talking about? It's all about Jesus, man. It's not about that you got saved under my ministry and that makes you more special than if you got saved under Apollos' ministry. So then he says, who then is Paul and who's Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Look what he says here. I planted, what's he talking about? He's talking about seeds again, right? Paulos watered, but it's the Lord of the harvest, God, who gave the increase. So then neither he who planted is anything, nor he who watered, but God gives the increase. Now he who planted and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Okay, so look at the dynamic here. Paul's trying to get across to the people, said, look, it really doesn't make any difference whether you're a planter or a waterer, you know, a nurturer, you're a fertilizer, spreader. I guess that could be bad, but, right? 
You're a, 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 a trimmer. You're a, 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 a weed puller around their seed. Whatever it takes. But the whole point is the Lord of the harvest is the one who gives the increase. It's God who brings it forth and makes it happen. You see, it always blows my mind when I think about Jesus goes into a church and he, like the man with the withered hand said, stick her with your hand and the the hand was healed. And then all the the religious leaders said, oh man, we got to kill him for that. And that just, like, that's not in my thinking, right? If you just saw somebody's hand, like, I don't know, it was withered. I'm going to say it was, maybe it was there, but just withered. And then it opens and he can, he can walk, he can do whatever. And they said, boy, we're going to kill that boy with that. Healed on a Sunday. That maybe somebody just might shouldn't have tapped him on the shoulder and say, you know what? I, I think you're wrong. I, I think your thinking is wrong. You're not, you don't really have this, you know, you're trying to kill somebody who just did a miracle. But the bottom line is it's God who's going to give the increase. It's God who's going to make it happen. And what we're to do is we're to be sowing the word no matter what it does to anyone else. Right? It's God who's going to give the increase. We're the seed sowers. And the quicker we learn that we're sometimes going to be sowing, sometimes going to be watering, sometimes going to be planting, and sometimes going to be harvesting. Right? We had a beautiful event happen Sunday person heard the word, they had friends ministering to them, and then somebody led them to the Lord. Took three or four, five, six people, whatever, but it, that, that was the Lord giving the increase at the end, and what is the great result is the end. So what I want to encourage you about is tomorrow when you're with family, and you're speaking to your family, and you're talking to your family, be sensitive to, are you sowing, are you planting, or is it time for harvest? Right? And maybe you're sowing over on this one, and maybe you're watering over on that one. And then maybe you're, you're fertilizing over here. You follow me? Because there's a dynamic going on all the time. It's not just cut and dried one way. There's a dynamic going on all the time. You need to be watching over here because that one right there may have the cares of the world on them and they're going to get some seed loss that has already been on them. They need prayer. But I really believe we're in a time in life right now that we need to be sensitive to the needs of others. And I believe that the enemy is trying over time to throw fear on people to try to get us concerned with the craziness in the world and, you know, what kind of a uh, bizarre thing is taking place next and, you know, what, what, what's going to go on, that we get distracted from looking at those right around us and where to be a more perfect place than at the Thanksgiving table. Right? And folks, listen to me. No matter how bad things are, we, are, we, we need to be thankful. Whew. Well, we need to be thankful, especially us right here in the middle of Utopia. Man, we live in the greatest place in the world, right? We, we're right here. I mean, oh, man. So there may be some bumps, maybe some bobbles. There may be some things that get in the way, maybe some hills to climb, maybe some valleys to go down. But, you know, the bottom line is, man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everything God's given us. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for, for this church. I'm thankful for everywhere we've been, uh, the, the road we've traveled. Hello? But be sensitive on this Thanksgiving for the Lord of the harvest to move in your families. And that's the simplicity of my message tonight. Matter of fact, 
It's probably the shortest message I ever preached. But y'all have pies to go home to and get cooking going and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm just, you know, I, I mean, that's it. Be, I want to just encourage you. Be sensitive to the Lord of the harvest. Amen. And have a great harvest Thanksgiving. So what I want to do is I want to ask you to stand up. I'm going to pray over you. I want to pray over everybody out there watching and listening. I want to ask God to bless your Thanksgiving tomorrow. Father, I just pray right now. You said to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers unto the harvest, and I pray for laborers to be sent out. I pray as every family member joins together, Lord God, as they sit around the table, as they uh, break bread together in fellowship, Lord, I just pray that this is the richest, the richest Thanksgiving they've ever had. That, Lord, they abound in blessings. And that, Lord, that they have opportunities to sow and to plant, to, to, to water, to harvest in, in the lives of people. That, Lord, I declare that there will be no fear in Jesus' name. That there will be faith spoken around the table. That there will be thanksgiving spoken around the table. That there will be words sown around the table. And I declare, Lord God, that as you gave your life for us, Lord, we want to be your servants sent out into this world. So we just pray tonight, O oh Heavenly Father, for your hand to be upon the people, for your hand to be upon this time of thanksgiving, for your hand to be upon their finances, their blessings, and Lord, just to bless them exceedingly and abundantly beyond they could ever even think or ask. And Lord, we thank you for it. And we thank you, Lord, for a great, great harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.